Hello and welcome to Sit and Listen, a production of Science in the News. We are a graduate student-led organization at Harvard University focused on generating discussions between scientists, other experts, and enthusiasts. The global pandemic caused by the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, has changed the world and altered all of our lives. In this series of episodes titled Scientists at Home, we present narratives of life and research during the pandemic from scientists and academics across a broad range of disciplines and stages of their careers. We hope that in hearing these narratives, you'll feel a sense of camaraderie with the scientific community as we acclimate to these difficult times. Hello and welcome to Sit and Listen, a production of Science in the News. My name is Wei and I'm a graduate student in the Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department in Harvard University. Today I am joined here with Christian Schrock, who is also a graduate student here at Harvard, and we are going to be talking a little bit about life in the pandemic as a graduate student and also as international students, because we are both international students doing our PhD in Harvard. So thank you so much for being here, Christian. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Christian, uh, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do in your PhD program? Sure. Um, so, my name is Christian Struck. I'm from Germany, from Berlin, where I was actually born in Bonn, but, you know, Berlin's the only place that people know. And, um, yeah, I, study, uh, I actually studied German literature here as well. So, I came to, to do my PhD in, in Cool. So just for anyone out there who's curious, and also me, mm. I'm curious. <laughs> so what is your day-to-day like um, in a normal day as a graduate student? Mostly teaching. Um, there's a lot of teaching and uh, preparation involved, but um, if it's only about research, I mean, I mostly work with texts that I that are printed already. I sit in a room and, and, and read, right? Like um, for me personally, I, I think um, the, the day-to-day is a bit more like I because I always like am like stuck in, in, in a room on a chair, I really need to move, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. so, I mean, we're going to talk about it a, a bit more later, I think, but for me, the, the biggest, you know, the biggest hindrance was really like to be stuck at home and not being able to even go to the office or, you know, anywhere outside. So, yeah. Yeah. This, this is so true. I like having the choice of going to a cafe or a library if I want to. <laughs> so yeah. now it's all stuck. Um, okay, so when the COVID-19 hits, uh, a lot of people have had their lives interrupted this year. So um, personally, uh, on my end, as in my PhD program, um, a lot of things have to be cancelled. So for example, my qualifying exam had to be rescheduled and pushed back five months later. Um, which you might think is a good thing, having an exam pushed back, but it's actually terrible because it's just dragging out the anxieties yeah. and the worries. Qualifying exams, basically an exam we take in our second year or third year of PhD, uh, where if we pass, we will become PhD candidates. And if we fail, we will get kicked out of the program. So it's kind <laughs> of important. <laughs> I mean, that sounds, that sounds really hard. I know some people to whom that you know, applied as well. And it's really hard once you start, you know, preparing, you know exactly when the date is. So you plan everything out in that order. And I mean, I, I used to study before I studied um, like philosophy and then literature, I, I studied law 
And the, the one thing that everyone was always doing was like learning against forgetting. And it's the worst learning because you keep doing the same thing, right? <laughs> and only in order not to Yeah, learn. I had to uh, start studying and then uh, forcibly stop for a few uh -huh. months and then start again like uh -huh. last month. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was a painful process. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you done it yet? Yes. So okay. I've done it two weeks ago and Congrats. I passed. So that's good. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. And I know some people who were like exactly in the situation you were in, like, you know, okay, now stop and then start again. No, now you have to relocate and like live somewhere else. So, okay, like postpone it again. And then, you know. So. Yeah, the, I feel like the pandemic has definitely made like a lot of the school responses very terrible, where it used to be very planned out. It's like, oh, you, in this day, you'll do this, in this day, you'll do this. But now yeah. it's just like, uh, I don't know. Mm, we'll see and then you, you've just been waiting floating in the air for like months <laughs> right right uh, what about you how has COVID impacted um, your life as a graduate student in terms of like research or teaching I mean so um, I think the, the the main the main impact was just you know like that the libraries closed for for a few months and um, for me it was it came in a moment when I was um, changing topics where I just had finished one topic one chapter for my dissertation I needed to get into the, the next one and I mean that was exactly the moment where I would have needed the library the most you know to get into like the basic research and I mean you can do some things online but really what you need is you know access to walking around to like flipping through some books and you know being able to see oh this is relevant this isn't um, they refer to this source that I need to look into you know and then maybe it's not still not relevant for me but like you know at least have looked at it um, and to to not have that place really and that like the the flexibility of, of input from it was really bad and then I will need to visit one archive and I had planned to do that in the summer and so that that was really bad because you, you know like you have a summer planned out it's a few months that you're free to go and um, I had a beautiful um, uh, the, the chance to teach in Vienna and it would been would have been so nice to go with them you know in this in this place that I really like, you know, um, teach for a month, but also be able to have my own free time, uh, and then go to the archive, and then go to Berlin to to work further and like see my friends and family and everyone. And instead of that, I was I was here. I was stuck pretty much. Like couldn't really travel. Um, I mean, that was like the case for everyone. But then uh, instead of teaching one month and like having some free time, I taught over two and a, two and a half or like nearly three months. Um, and like had to prepare a lot more, like, you know, be responsible for my own course. So the, the summer was pretty much teaching only um, instead of being like a lot of research and a lot of, you know, like also, you know, maybe breathing a little, you know, seeing, seeing friends and family. Um, yeah, I think that was like a, that was a bit big thing. And then also, I mean, being also stuck in, in Boston where it's like significantly more expensive than anywhere else <laughs> at least for me right like Berlin is like a lot cheaper than Boston um, that was that was rough um, I think w one thing that I really would would like to say which is weird because it's such a soft argument right but I um, I do feel that there's a lot of you know changes in your rhythm of, a, of how you lead your days but also how you like work emotionally right like um, the fact that you cannot see friends, the fact that you cannot, or like that it's hard to see friends, right? The fact that you cannot like, you know, go about with your normal days. Everyone suffers the same, right? Like everyone suffers from that the same way. But if you're stuck again, like in your office or your room every day, and there's like not much social interaction to begin with, 
the ones that you really need are the ones in between or after or you know like if that's taken out of the equation i think it feels a lot less stable and a lot less you know passable to to focus and for me the most palpable effect was that i couldn't focus well and also um being on dissertation completion fellowship so i'm officially in my last year uh i think the the biggest problem will be if i really will be able to finish you know and if i won't be able to finish then the 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 year after your dissertation completion fellowship uh, if you still are a student you have to pay fees and uh, it's not very clear if you get teaching uh and so you know like the whole the whole situation is a bit different also because and that's like very specific to international students which i find uh, very interesting is that um in order to get to maintain your visa status you need to show you need to be able to show that you can sustain yourself so the amount of money that you need to make officially for that year after the after the completion fellowship is um like i think around 35000 but the the amount of money that you can make as a graduate student um teaching gets you to a bit more than 20000 so you would have to have other funds from you know working earlier or from having rich parents or whatever right and uh, and to to that that is the case that there's like nearly no way that you can make that in the arrangement that you have with the university um and with the with the government like with the visa regulations it's that is kind of that feels a bit bad and then of course like on top of all that there was like you know the trump administration constant attack on international students uh, which i think um you know you will also be able to say things about Yeah the there's a beautiful segue into what I feel we should transition into is and that is how the pandemic um has been affecting international students mm. so i think before we talk about that um i kind of want to talk a little bit about like even pre-pandemic um people need to realize that there has been like a lot of restrictions on international students in general so i've been an international student here in the US for about 6 years now I was here for undergrad and now I'm here for grad school um and I'm originally from Singapore so basically there there's a lot of restrictions that is already on international students um uh, even though I don't necessarily know all of them but personally what I know is the travel restriction um has always been in place um where if you want to go overseas and come back to the country you need to get a travel signature that uh, only lasts for a year so you have to keep getting signature keep visiting the international student office to get uh, a signature in order to leave um and also if your visa expires you you can't re-enter the country so you have to make sure to renew that with the US embassy every time um thankfully uh for my country when i get a US visa I would get it for like 4 to 5 years and then I don't have to worry about it but I know people from China um their visa will only last for 1 year so every time they go back home they have to reapply for a visa and it is a big issue because it's expensive to apply for a visa and um it increases the risk and anxiety you have because every time you apply for a visa there's a chance they might reject it and then you can't come back to yeah. so yeah so these are all the restrictions i know pre pandemic mm-hmm. so what i know right now is that with the pandemic going on the restrictions have definitely drastically increased and also unequally so there's a lot more restrictions on certain countries than others 
where I'm from, we don't really have that much restrictions. Um, so I know a lot of friends from my country who went back home and then came back successfully and they can continue their lab work. But I know people currently who are still stuck in France and the UK, they went back home, uh, I guess, for, for the summer and then just never got to come back even mm-hmm. till now. And it is already November. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was wondering if you could um, share anything like specifically about the travel restrictions that you know of um, that people have been suffering from? Yeah, I mean, I think um, what, what you say, right, there, there have been so many um, regulations that the Trump, and, Trump and his administration has, has tried to pass and um, they, they really make it hard or they would have made it very hard for, for people to, to travel and like to, to just continue their studies, to be honest. Uh, and I think, I mean, clearly people from China are hit the strongest um, because, you know, I mean, because of the completely, you know, racist policies that are in place uh, or that like would, would have been in place. And I, I just like, I mean, one, one Chinese student uh, contacted me and, and told me their story. And so I was, you know, there's always like a background check involved in that and, you know, in getting a new visa and, you know, that might take like three months. And so... Uh, and like, of course, is like, you know, very expensive. And so if you have to do that every time again, right, like it's, it's just impossible. And so very, it took them, it took them three months to get the visa renewed. To get a background check for the visa. And then you still have to wait for the visa renewal, you know. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, there, there are so many, so many stones that are in the path to, to just being a student and like being able to, to, you know, do what, what, what you're actually supposed to do. So that, that I think was like, you know, one of the examples where, where I thought, okay, well, this is like, this is in- incredible and way, way worse than like I would have ever experienced. I do know of some people who, um, I mean, just before, as you said, right, like you need a travel signature for every country. And that is, I mean, that is something that I, to some degree, understand um, that there's like an administrative step in between that, you know, like you're allowed to be in the country, but like, what exactly does that entail? Does that entail you're allowed to travel or not? I know of some people that have traveled back to, to Europe, um, Germany or, or, or France or wherever, and they have not been able to come back either. Um, also because, you know, I mean, which also leaves them in, in a bit of a, of, a, of a nimbus because they have a flat here. They have everything here. Uh, and what, what should they do? Like I, I helped a few friends move their stuff out in their absence uh, because they had to leave their flats, you know, because they couldn't keep paying both rents, uh, which is a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of things that COVID has impacted um, in terms of travel. I feel like for the past few months, there has been many circumstances of uh, strange policies that the Trump administration tried to implement that made everything more anxious for international students. Um, so there was this one rule that, that Harvard sued the administration for and then they had to pull back out, which was about how um, international students are not going to be considered students if they only take online classes. And I think recently there was one where they, they want to restrict F1 visas to four years maximum. Um, and then if you want to extend it, you have to go and try to extend it yourself, which, you know, as I've mentioned before, it takes a while to extend your visa and they might reject it. I'm not sure about the situation of that right now, but people are definitely contesting that part right now. The second regulation was uh, was a bit insane because what it did it, it was not targeting the visas directly 
was actually targeting the the duration of stay um which was like on a document that's called i94 which is the document that you get once you enter the country and so it was not really like you would still get the visa for the amount of time that you would get would get the visa for but that the document that allows you entry would force you to either leave the country again and re-entry or to renew that document which is not the renewal of the visa which would be even harder to get right so you would need not to leave the country and apply for a visa again in your country at the embassy or the consulate but you would need to apply for a renewal of the i-94 or like a like an extension of the i-94 the duration of stay um with the agency i forgot their name that issues them so what you what you needed to do is is you needed to extend that and i think the the cost for it was how much was it, it was like 200 or more i i don't recall the number wow. it, but it was like really maybe even 400 it was really expensive to renew it and you needed to you know it was also like with biometric scans and whatever and like all these things and so i think yeah it might have been 450 actually yeah it might have been really high there again right like the discrimination uh, on the side of the trump administration came very very well through because they wanted to have um four countries what was it sudan iran um syria and china of course um were on the list uh that were four targeted countries and then they made up this argument that the the visitors of which had already overstayed their duration of stay in the past those people also were on the two-year instead of the four-year duration of stay so depending on the country where you are from where you're traveling from but you're like you're of your citizenship your duration of stay was either two or four years and when you were from one of the four countries or on that longer list of countries with with this weird new category um you 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 had the two years and the the list reads very much like you know you know people they don't want into the country like in the country you know and it's it's very it's insane because it's um yeah the 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 argument for it is is so much tied to how many people already like are coming into the country f- from from that from those places that um that is not a very good argument to begin with but this was the this was the second regulation and the first regulation um what, can can you say it again like the it was a rule that that said that if you are an international student who only do online classes right right the online yeah. classes sure thank you um and the first the first regulation was interesting because it, it was not really that much of a decision but it was because it always had been the case that were in place right like they didn't include universities that were only online in those regulations so if you were at a university that only had classes online you didn't get a visa based on that period um because it needed it didn't need to be in the country um so when decision when the decision was made that people had to leave the country in march in the middle of the semester they um paused that part of the rule and they said well there's the we just like this is this would not be possible for people to actually do that so let's make an exemption of that rule so the moment they decided to to not extend that exemption of the rule was of course when everyone was going crazy because it meant that so many people would have to leave the country that still stayed on the very rule that they could count to be um staying for and that was when Harvard and MIT filed the big lawsuit and now this um this regulation that we talked about the other one 
is also regulation that people reacted to very strongly. Uh, and there, there have been like, uh, they have been given 30 days of, of comment, like of a commentary period. And uh, people have, you know, like, I don't know, filed 30, over 30,000 uh, comments. And so after all that time that they need to, to read and react to them, if they come up with a regulation, they need to come up with it even then 30 or 60 days, but I think 30 days before it can actually be a rule, they, they need to write it down, like publish it, right? And so <laughs> the hope, like everyone's hope is that, you know, like since Biden has won, the hope is that like they cannot publish anything after the time it takes them to work on the commentaries, right? Before 30 days before Biden gets into <laughs> to power, you know? So like now we have to wait, you know, if, it's, if, they, if they do something before December 20th, <laughs> then there might be still some days when it's like in, in you know active an active rule but like I, I don't think that will happen thank you so much for all of the explanation that was really helpful so are there anything else um you would like to talk about how this pandemic has been affecting international students i mean i guess like one one thing that i that i will say is that um it was it was an international like you know like it was a true pandemic in the way that like everyone was affected and i think um one thing i would like to say is that uh as a harvard student i was in one of the best situations ever right like i i still receive money from an institution that is like very stable financially and uh, you know like politically as well so i don't have to fear much um, and that is that is um, that is something you know. Many people, many of the people I like, many of the friends I met made here, didn't have because they worked in in restaurants or bars or coffee places or whatever. People that needed to leave their flats, right, because they had, didn't have any money and like still needed to pay rent. The situation, like you know, that you know of in in, in New York, for instance, New York City, where so many people had were were actually receiving uh, lawsuits that they needed to to leave the flats that they couldn't pay the rent for. So, I mean, we all know about these situations. And I think, you know, as Harvard students, we've been very, very lucky uh, in, in many ways. Um, I do think that being, you know, like an international student in a, in a, at a time and in a circumstance as that of, you know, the Trump administration. And, you know, when, when things feel a bit, you know, hostile to everyone, I think that is something that, that, that is like such a, as I said before, such a soft argument that people mostly don't really take that into consideration. Um, that, that, you know, like m many people talk about, you know, Zoom fatigue now, which is like a new thing, right? And, and, and it's great that, that these things matter, but they matter more to people in terms of like academic progress than in, in terms of, of, you know, like an overall well-being as a person. Um, which, which at times seems like, you know, in order to do research, which is so much cerebral, you need to kind of be in a state that you can actually work from. And, and again, as I said before, I think for me, the situation of being locked in and like, you know, like having only my little room, which like, you know, my bed is right there. My shoulder is always like up. I really have like a lot of back pain because of that. Like, you know, my chair is not ideal. I see your chair and I want to ask you where you get your chair from. You know, like, so, so these things, right? Like you, you, you start thinking about your life and like your surroundings in a totally different way. And, you know, being, being stuck in one room, like under the roof, being, you know, in all these circumstances, again, in the best situation possible, but still it affects me in a way that like, I think the progress I've made over the last months is like, way below 
what I would have made without the pandemic and like with, you know, like the normal circumstances um, of like being a very privileged person. So I think that is something like, because it is so much in this like very weird cushion between being hyper-privileged and sort of like everyone has like, you know, suffered pretty much similar constraints and restraints, right? Yeah, thank you so much for that. I definitely feel what you feel. I guess what I want to add about this is also that it's a little bit sad that um, sometimes I feel like the country doesn't want me here because of the way they structure their immigration policies. I sincerely hope that, you know, in the coming few years that things would change and that it would be a lot better because, you know, there's a lot to offer as international students, as immigrants, um, and, you know, we want to come here for a reason. So personally, I want to be here because there is a thriving scientific community here. I kind of want to, you know, play a part in that. And I, I think there's this interesting, I mean, I don't know if you, um, if you know the, the poem that's like inscribed in the socket of the Statue of Liberty, but it's, it's this really beautiful poem that like I learned in school, right? And I think like many people learn in school, this whole idea of right, like, give me your, your refuse, your tempest tossed, her mild eyes glows worldwide welcome or something like that, right? Like this, this idea of a worldwide welcome, um, I think that is something that, that has lost its appeal for many people for a long time already. And, but I think it is also without question that the academic community in the United States is among the best, if not the best, in many you know, disciplines. But it doesn't, it doesn't help if there's no community or if, the, if it doesn't feel welcoming to some degree that has a lot to do with foreign policy and has also to do with these like immigration rules that are like more concretely pitted against um, specific people than like against others and that feel like there's an active yeah, racism uh, going on in, in, in the way that people are being treated. Thank you so much for that. Um, I kind of want to end this on a happy so, note. <laughs> yeah. So are there anything that you are looking forward to like in the, in the next couple of weeks, maybe? I mean, I can, I can say a few things. Like, I'm, I mean, we, we, before we said, or, or we talked about, you know, like, was there, was there any good parts of the COVID times or like, you know, something like that. And I think um, one thing that I did uh, regularly was I <laughs> I met with uh, two friends of mine and we went to the Esplanade in, in in Boston you know at the river and we just sat down on the on the on the docks and had pizza and wine and it was so nice because in Europe it's really common to you know just have a glass of wine outside in the park or somewhere and in the states it's of course very much not allowed but it seemed that like for the time of COVID no one cared everyone was out there drinking wine or beer or whatever they had and it was such a nice and like, you know, like sort of liberating feeling to be able to do that. And so I think that was something that I, that I really enjoyed and that made me feel a lot more sane and like, you know, meeting some people outside, you know, evoke some kind of feeling that like had been there before. And of course, what I'm looking forward to now is in a few weeks, I am going to travel to Germany and um, just hoping that, you know, like I will be able to come back and hoping that traveling is safe enough uh, are you traveling for family or research or both? Well, so I will be traveling for family and friends, right? So it's like mostly that, but I also will try to get to this uh, archive and I don't know yet if they will let me in at all. So it could be that that's like still in the very far future. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but I think it is like this time, I, I, I would say it's only private.
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Christian. Sure. Um, and I guess, I guess I'll, I'll end it here. I'll stop recording. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and thank you Christian Schrock for this conversation about life in a pandemic as international graduate students. We hope you got a little glimpse into how the pandemic has been affecting people differently and we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye!